1624, Virginia became a royal colony, and early governors made little effort to become closely associated with the colonists. This will change when Sir William Berkeley is appointed as governor of Virginia in 1641 and offers new directions of leadership. He hoped to make Virginia into a land of close-knit communities with a diversified economy and a deferential social order. Berkeley also helped make the General Assembly, the House of Burgesses, into a mini-parliament that shared power with him, had more local government, but ultimately the mini-parliament the House of Burgesses grew independent of his control. In 1644, some local Native Americans attacked the settlers, and Governor Berkeley responds with two years of fighting. A local Indian leader was captured, who was one of Powhatan's followers, and murdered in his jail cell. It is after this that there is a, a long period of peace between the Indians and the Virginia settlers. Well, what we see is that by the 1660, between 1660 and 1680, things are, are changing a great deal in Virginia. And all of this plays into the situation that leads to Nathaniel Bacon leading a rebellion. There was, the Chesapeake inhabitants were going their own independent ways between 1660 and 1680. And there were a lot of conditions ripe for unrest. The Chesapeake colonists were heading for trouble partly because of their success. The inhabitants started to live longer, more servants survived their terms of service and set up as independent tobacco planters, and more planters meant more production, which leads to overproduction of tobacco, and the price of tobacco plummets between 1660 and 1680. Why were the settlers living longer? Well, the, the more far away they moved from the original Jamestown settlement, the less they were around the swampy areas and that enabled them to live much longer. Now there ends up being some great problems with this, with the survivors and all of that because the largest planters, the wealthiest Virginians, bought up all of the prime property along the coast and land was growing scarce and more expensive. That meant that newly freed indentured servants were forced to become tenants or to settle on unclaimed land on the frontier in the western part of Virginia. Either way, poor men lost out. Small farmers were vulnerable to debt. They were dependent on large planters for land and credit. They were also extremely vulnerable on the frontier to Indian attack. And there are diminishing opportunities leading to growing discontent and unrest. The discontent of the small planters mounted and the number, and the number of young armed vagabonds multiplied in Virginia, and that worried the larger planters. Remember that while Berkeley wanted to diversify the economy of Virginia, he was unable to successfully do so, and Virginia remained very dependent on the, the planting of tobacco for its success. So when you have this discontent of small planters, you have young armed vagabonds running around, the House of Burgesses passes a law that lengthens the term of an indentured servitude hoping that that would limit the number of servants entering the free population. They 
lengthened the service from seven years to ten years. So if you had originally signed a contract that would end in seven years, you found that, oh no, you had to serve an additional three years. They were also hoping by lengthening the terms of servitude that that would curb the political rights of these landless men, hoping that that would stifle opposition and deprive them of voting power. Now what that does is it gets the, the indentured servants a little upset because they suddenly have to serve longer and there are rising mutinies among indentured servants and protest over rising taxes among the small planters. This reaches pretty much a crisis situation in 1676. White expansion again threatened the local native tribes and they begin to engage in raids on the frontier farms. Governor William Berkeley favored a policy of building forts to contain the Indian threat, but these were very expensive and ended up being paid for by taxes on the frontier farmers, and only them, and they were already taxed pretty heavily. The frontiersmen called for action against the Indians. Nathaniel Bacon becomes a hero to the poor frontiersmen by leading an attack against the Indians who had raided their farms because when the forts were built, the forts didn't work. They were too scattered apart. They, when an attack came, they were slow to respond and it didn't prevent any, anything from happening. So Nathaniel Bacon leads this attack against Indians. He's taken prisoner uh, by Berkeley and is pardoned. Berkeley makes promises that the f he'll build more forts, he'll take care of things, but doesn't follow through on this. And other native tribesmen in the area, seeing this lack of response from the Virginians, will end up burning and pillaging farms at will, and the frontiersmen panic. Berkeley wasted little time, said he would send 300 men to search and counterattack the Indians, but then rescinds those orders and decides to do nothing until the next meeting of the General Assembly. The colonists were surprised by this, particularly the frontiersmen. And they considered Berkeley a doddering old fool, because here it is, 1676, and he has been governor of Virginia since 1641. So Nathaniel Bacon leads a band of men to attack again against the governor's orders, and he becomes a hero to the frontier colonists. Nathaniel Bacon will end up in the summer of 16, late summer 1676 in September, marching with 500 men into the capital of Jamestown and captured the government and his goal was to torch Jamestown and take over. Bacon tries to get his followers to overthrow the governor, but they do not because Berkeley, for one thing, was no longer there. He had left for Maryland. And uh, they capture this, Berkeley flees, they, they end up burning down Jamestown, and by October of 1676, Nathaniel Bacon dies from dysentery, which was a common disease for the settlers in Virginia, and the rebellion dies with him. Now, we've got this feud then between the planters and the group of Indians, and the forts that don't work and protection 
ha not being granted. And we end up seeing some interesting things happen in the aftermath of Bacon's Rebellion. Part of it connects directly to the role of women within Bacon's Rebellion. Nathaniel Bacon and uh, needed the assistance of women to help the rebellion be successful. And they, you know, helped provide food, supply some gunpowder, the wives of the, the rebels. And after the rebellion, the loyalists, those who had not participated in the rebellion, decide that they want to exact payment from the rebels, male or female, for their participation. A new law was passed in Virginia that specified specific penalties from women who participated in the rebellion. And that was to get around the idea that married women acted at a husband's command. For men who participated in the original attack, and only that, they were fined a thousand pounds of tobacco. For men who had participated in the first attack and the second attack, faced or the, the assault on um, Jamestown, faced a fine of 2,000 pounds of tobacco and being in the pillory for two hours. For women who participated in the rebellion, or the, the first offense of, of supporting Bacon in their attack on the Indians, they received 20 lashes. For a woman's second offense, that they had supported the men in attacking the Indians and then leading the march to Jamestown, they received 30 lashes unless they could pay the same fine as a man. Female participants were considered low class, and for defying conventions of gender, they were called whores in the court records. And there was a clear connection made between their unfeminine behavior in supporting the rebellion and their alleged sexual promiscuity. For longer term kind of results is that Governor William Berkeley will be replaced by governors who end up paying much more closer attention to the affairs of the Virginia colony and they were determined to limit the colonist political freedom, which Berkeley had allowed to develop. When the king heard of Bacon's rebellion, he sent troops over to squash it, but by the time they got there, the rebellion was over, but a number of troops stayed in Virginia. The rebellion fed on popular discontent that society was under deep internal stress, it expressed the frustration of marginal taxpayers and ex-indentured servants who felt they were driven to desperation by the tobacco depression. And ultimately, these factors combined together into why indentured servants begin to rapidly decline in their use in Virginia, and they were rapidly replaced by slave labor. African slaves had been in Virginia since 1619, but their status was unclear. But after Bacon's Rebellion, the law becomes very clear that status proceeded from the womb. And if you were born a slave, you would remain a slave for your entire lifetime. And so there is a clear connection between Bacon's Rebellion and the ultimate decision 
to have many more uh, slaves brought into the colony of Virginia. Thank you very much.